adrenaline to take stock of the situation, gain some control. He should tell someone what they were doing. He should call for some backup. This was crazy. It was turning into a high-speed chase on trail-slick roads. Someone was going to get hurt. And not after some armed bank robber, mass murderer type, but an asshole car thief snitch. Thinking thus, he still accelerated, now to 90 miles an hour. At 53rd, right by the little park, they passed two blue and whites, parked nose to tail for conversation and seconds later both of those radio patrol cars joined the pursuit, the radio crackling with demands to know what was going on. Nash did not respond because he was driving too hard. Cooley did not either, although it was his job. The jeep screamed up onto the Henry Hudson. It suddenly became damply cold in the fury. Out of the corner of his eye, Nash saw that Cooley had rolled his window all the way down. Closer, he yelled over the wind blast. Nash saw the needle pass a hundred miles an hour the car shaking like a blender on the scabbed asphalt typical of the city's arterials, bits of chili flying around, his hands locked tight on the shuddering wheel, and then he saw that Cooley had his gun out, and he wanted to yell out something to make Cooley stop, but he had all he could do to keep the fury from flying off the elevated highway. He should have stopped, he should have taken control, but he didn't, and he could not really have told anyone why, except that every cop in the world would have understood why not. Nash brought the unmarked within five yards of the swerving jeep, and Cooley began to shoot. Nash could hardly hear the flat crack of the shots, the wind filled the car so, and he lost count. He saw the rear window of the jeep fly to pieces, though, and the right rear tire come apart. The rear of the jeep started to shimmy violently. Cooley was reloading. The jeep drifted right, struck the guardrails, bounced back, went into a long sideways skid. Nash stepped on his brake and whipped the wheel over hard and felt sickeningly his rear tires break loose from the road and felt the tail of the vehicle proceed northward independently of the steering wheel. There was a grinding metallic thump, a shudder. The scenery revolved, another crash, an enormous boom. The windshield of the Fury starred, buckled. Nash felt sharp things strike his face. Brendan, what the fuck? Boom. Cooley was firing through the windshield whenever the red shape of the Cherokee came into sight. Both vehicles were out of control, bouncing across the highway and past each other like dogfighters over Blitztime London. Then a louder crash, and the red car disappeared. No, there it was again for an instant. Another crash, and Nash saw a shower of sparks. After a time, Nash was able to bring the Dodge to a stop. Let's go, Cooley shouted, and leaped from the car. Cooley, goddammit, will you wait? Cooley did not, but ran into the dark. Nash left the unmarked two and found his shaking knees could barely support his weight. Shots, a bunch of them. Now he saw the Cherokee resting sadly on its right wheel rims against the left side median barrier with its snout pointed downtown. He saw that Cooley was running towards the stricken car in a combat crouch, firing as he went. Nash pulled out his own pistol and took in the scene. He thought he had time for that because no one seemed to be firing back at him. The unmarked had come to a stop north of the wreck. To the south, one of the blue and whites had stopped in the center lane, illuminating the scene with its flashing bubblegum lights. The other blue and white had parked across the center lane, blocking traffic a hundred yards to the south. Good, Nash thought. At least someone was using his brain. Then he heard the wick of a bullet flying by his head, and the sound of a couple of shots, not from Cooley's gun. He crouched instinctively and fired twice into the Cherokee. He saw that Cooley was creeping around the rear of the wreck toward the passenger side. More shots. This was the negative part of being Brendan Cooley's partner. Bent almost double with his pistol out in front of him, Nash trotted gamely toward the left side of the vehicle. Another shot cracked past, right in front of him, and the driver's side rear window starred around a fat hole. 
Three more shots in rapid succession, and the windshield splintered. Oh, great. He screamed at the two cops in the blue and white to stop firing, nor was he polite about it. An instant later, he had his right shoulder pressed tight against the wet metal of the Cherokee's flank. He worked the door latch and swung the driver's door out, his pistol pointing. The upper torso of a man slumped down, its lower end held in the car by the seat belt. Nash stared at the face. It was, in fact, the well-known thief, fence, and general no-goodnick Cisco Lomax, Nash was relieved to observe, or rather the ex-well-known. The front of the man's tan sweater was black with blood, and big wads of distressed tissue bulged from his face and neck. The back of the driver's seat showed nearly a dozen little puffs of exploded filling, some still white, others as red as wound dressings. The windshield was a spiderweb, sagging in its frame. Nash looked up and met the eyes of his partner through the passenger side window. How is he? asked Cooley.